Good evening. This is Dr. X.H. Balthazar. In lieu of someone else's story tonight, I've decided to share with you the story of my childhood. I did not just come to be an investigator, you see. While I was always a curious little boy, there were events that took place which seemed to pull me into my current role. I began writing down my memories after realizing that they might be forgotten. Please do not worry. I can assure you, I am fit as a horse, but as the years progress, I felt it necessary to put pen to paper. In the year 1912, I was the ripe old age of six. We lived in a suburb of Boston, in a place which was one of the first settlements when the pilgrims came from Britain. It was a beautiful town right along the coast. My father was the town physician, while my mother taught history at the local school. I suppose both professions made an impact on me. In the afternoons, mother and I would walk home and often stop at the market to procure some fresh produce for dinner. On some occasions, mother would need to stay late. She trusted me enough to get myself home, if need be. Our town was small, small enough that everyone knew one another and small enough that crime did not really exist. It was a cool day in December that I found myself on my way home alone. The science fair was the next day, and I was to excavate a fossil from a rock. Father had made the entire contraption. I am still not quite sure how. On this day, I decided not to walk through town. It was snowing and I preferred to go into the fields and make a snow angel. There had always been legends of witches in our town. Some believed in them. My mother most certainly did not. Father would always stay quiet when people spoke of witches, so I assumed he was also not a believer. The legend goes that in the year of 1671, a woman, about the age of 30, began to cast spells on the townspeople. Their crops went rotten, the livestock died, and no babies were born for more than one year. One night, after a riotous speech in the town square, Randall Marbank convinced his neighbors that this woman was a witch and must be put to death. They went to her home and forcefully dragged her into a field where they burned her at the stake. Some say you can still hear her screaming from that field, but only on the blood moon. My friends had told me this tale, and it terrified me. I was a child, after all, but it was also intriguing. I thought about who she was, and had she really had the power to do this. Could it be true, or was there simply another explanation? It was a mystery. But that day in the snow changed everything. My mission was snow angels before supper. I went to a huge clearing on the hill, lay down and swung my arms and legs back and forth. She was a beauty. I repeated this perhaps eight or nine times. It was wonderful. And then the snow began to melt, but not everywhere, only my angels. It was as if the ground had swallowed them whole. There was a black mud that seemed to bubble where the angels had been. What was this place, I wondered. I watched them disappear, then as fast as I could, I ran towards home. 
It was at the end of town. I passed our neighbors. One, two, three. Then another house. One I had not noticed before. A woman stood in the doorway. She was watching the snow, just as I had been. Where are you running to, little one? I stopped. Frozen. She had eyes like I had never seen. Green, like emeralds. So piercing. I felt she could see into the depths of my soul. Home? I told her. It's quite cold out. I've just made some biscuits. Would you like one? I'm not sure my mother would like that. I know your mother, Geraldine. She's the history teacher. Quite a lovely woman your mother is. Thank you, ma'am. Come in. Have a biscuit. Then be on your way. Okay. The decor was odd. It was old and sparse. No cushions. Just wooden chairs with a wooden table. And a bed made of hay in the corner. There was no stove. Only a fire with a large pot hung over it. It seemed to me that this was what they called a cauldron in the ghost stories of old. She put a biscuit on a plate for me and set it down on the table. Come, warm yourself by the fire and take a little bite. The biscuit looked lovely, fluffy and warm. They were my favorite. But something deep within me told me not to take a bite. She watched me too closely. My heart was racing. Those eyes. I really shouldn't spoil my supper. Might I take it for later? Mother's making beef. I can eat it with that. But you mustn't waste it while it's fresh and still warm. I really must go. And with that, I ran out the door. She followed me, but I was fast. I ran down the street fast as I could. Then it lifted. I wasn't afraid anymore. And when I turned back, the house was not warm and lit, but gone altogether. A vacant lot with a single stone in the center, 1671 inscribed on it. It marked the place where the witch's house stood. It couldn't be, I thought. I was there. I saw her. I was in the house. And when I looked down at my hand, the biscuit was no longer a biscuit, but a lump of black and gray mold. I dropped it and ran home. Mother was in the kitchen cooking. Father was smoking his pipe by the fire. He smiled at me, and I ran to him. When I told him what had happened, it was as if he had known all along. He placed his pipe between his teeth and rolled up his sleeve. There on his forearm was a burn. I had seen it before. He had always said it was from a cooking accident when he was young, but it was not. Although he said I was not yet ready for the truth of how the scar really came to be, this was the day my father taught me the convenience of lying and deception, but only ever used to protect those more vulnerable than yourself. Then he revealed that he had seen the witch as well, but only once and never since. He went on to tell me though he may be a doctor, he was also an investigator of the uncanny, something not even my mother knew about, and he would teach me everything I wanted to know, as soon as I could prove myself capable 
and there were many steps until then, which I shall tell you about another night. That is all for now. Thank you for tuning in, listeners. And until next time, goodbye and good night.